almost a seamless join. And thank you for your help in practicing this reading. Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through to 15, which will be on the screen behind me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead." When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the authorities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Let's pray for Alex as he brings us the word today. Father God, we thank you that your word is truth. We thank you that your word has the power to transform. Through your spirit, May you use your servant Alex this morning to faithfully proclaim this truth for us and for your glory. Amen. Thank you for that prayer. <clears throat> and good morning. 
There's an old expression, what more could I need or want? A person might say, I've got good health, happy family, a satisfying job, what more could I need or want? Someone else might say, I've just won the Wimbledon, what more could I want? Congrats to uh, Ash Barty in fulfilling your childhood dream. In today's Bible reading from Paul's letter to the Colossians, in effect we hear him say to Christian believers, spiritually speaking, what more could you want or need that you haven't already got in Jesus Christ? He says, you have this fullness in Christ, you have come to fullness of life in him. It's good to be reminded of this and to think again about it, and that's what I'd like to do with you this morning. So we'll take a look at this part of Paul's letter to the Colossians. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter around 60 AD during his imprisonment in Rome. Colossus was a city or town in the western part of Turkey, opposite Athens on the other side of the sea. Paul hadn't visited Colossus, but it appears that a man called Epaphras had founded the church and maybe some other converts from Paul's missionary travels. Colossus had a very mixed population because it was on a major trade route. Today we might call it a multicultural society in which there was a mixture of other religions and ideas and philosophies and moods with no one faith dominant. At the time there was animism and superstition, astrology, uh, Greek and Roman gods, mystery or agnostic religions, Judaism and Christianity. The church at Colossus was threatened by being infiltrated with teaching that attempted to combine elements from other religions and ideas and philosophies with Christianity. And this was because of the surrounding culture of Colossus, this sort of influence on the church. The idea of mixing Christianity with other ideas and philosophies and beliefs is known as syncretism. And then its proponents were claiming to offer a greater fullness and freedom to the Christians. Well, Paul wrote to this church in Colossus to encourage and help them to actually remain faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ and not to think that they had to add to him or to uh, gain more from these other philosophies and ideas. So what Paul wrote to them then in this letter can also encourage and strengthen us today to remain faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. In our passage today, Paul says this of Christ. In him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness of life in him. In today's part of his letter, Paul looks back to something that's happened in the past, and then he encourages them and ourselves who read this to do something in the present because of that. 
So what happened in the past? Well, this is how he puts it. As therefore you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Or so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. Or therefore, since Jesus was delivered to you as Christ and Lord. Well, the word Lord has the idea of supreme authority of someone who is at the top in overall control. When they came to translate the Hebrew Old Testament into Greek language, so that Greeks around the world who spoke Greek could read it, they wondered how to translate the name of God, Yahweh, into Greek. And they chose the word Lord. As far as the early Christians had a creed, it was a simple yet profound one. Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, why has Jesus got supreme authority? Why is he Lord? Putting it very simply, because he came down from the top to the bottom, from glory to Golgotha, from heaven to hell. And God the Father lifted him up, super exalted him from the bottom to the top. Or to put it in other words, because he went to the cross, he's now been given the crown. Because he suffered the cross, he now shares the throne. So let's think about the cross. In this part of his letter, Paul says three things about the cross. Christ suffered our death, settled our debts, and secured our deliverance. Let's look at these three dimensions of the cross. Christ suffered our death. Paul writes, You were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Another version says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Or you were at one time spiritually dead because of your sins. According to the Bible, there's more to death than physical death. There's a spiritual death. What spiritual death? You've lost contact with God. You're out of communication and communion with God. You could be enjoying life and yet out of kilter with God who gave you life to enjoy and this out of touchness is deadly, it kills. Paul says our sins and sinful nature made us that way and we deserve to die. But in his mercy and love, Jesus, when he died on that cross, was dying our death he didn't deserve to die, but he died our death. One has died for all. Therefore, all have died, writes Paul in another letter. And it was not only a painful, shameful death, but it also meant that he lost contact with God for the very first time. My God, my God, he cried, why have you left me? Yes, he died our death. But on that third day, 
God the Father raised him up. Because he died, we can live. And so Paul writes, God made you alive together with Christ. The second dimension of the cross Paul teaches here is Christ settled our debts. Our sins have led us into debt. It's bad enough being in debt to man. It's worse being in debt to God. It's as if we were in the red with God because of a great list of IOUs. Who's going to pay and settle the account? When the nails went into Jesus on that cross, God himself was settling our debts. God footed our bill when Jesus, his son, suffered for our sins and died. Paul says here, he cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. Another version says, he cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. He cancelled the record of the charges against us. And I'm told that the word literally means sponged away. Because the ink of those days had no acid in it, it could be sponged utterly away from the paper or vellum it was written on. Paul says when those nails went into Christ, God was sponging away your account that was in the red, wiping it out so there was no trace of it left. No wonder someone has said, I owed a debt I could not pay. Christ paid a debt he did not owe. And David Watson has said of the cross, a picture of capital punishment, yet the key to mercy and forgiveness. And evangelist J. John has written, if you want to get to heaven, you have to travel via King's Cross. The third dimension of the cross mentioned here is Christ secured our deliverance. We read, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. In other words, in this way, Christ disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. What was going on at the cross? The man was fighting the spiritual forces of evil. The sky went black. This was to be the decisive battle. By the cross, Jesus did two things to those evil spiritual powers. He disarmed them and he disgraced them. He disarmed them. He stripped their powers from them. He did this by removing the guilt of our sins when he bore our sins. 
and he disgraced them, made a public spectacle of them. The Roman emperors, when they defeated the nation, they had a triumphal procession back to Rome and behind them came the defeated army leaders in chains and humiliation. That's the picture here. Christ by the cross secured our deliverance from these spiritual forces of evil and wickedness. Jesus is Lord. So brothers and sisters, as we have just seen, God has already in his great love and mercy and grace decisively acted to heal our broken relationship with himself. And in his time, he promises he will make all things new, where death will be no more, or mourning or crying or pain. But even now, Paul says to believers, you have come to fullness of life in Christ. So let me very briefly share just five things that are ours in Christ by the grace of God and I want to use my hand and thumb and four fingers for this. The thumb. God, in effect, gives us the thumbs up now because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the four fingers. In Christ we have forgiveness from the Father of all our trespasses. That's true freedom. In Christ we have fellowship, fellowship with the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. In Christ we have family, family of the Father. For in Christ Jesus, Paul teaches, you are all sons of God through faith. And John in his letter says to the believers, see what love the Father has given us, that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. And in Christ we have future, future planned by the Father, Paul refers to this plan in one of his letters. A plan, he says, for the fullness of time to unite all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. And John, in his letter to the Christians, tells them, Beloved, we are God's children now. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What a fantastic future. All by the grace of God in Christ. For those who have received Christ Jesus as Lord. Now, Paul, having said, as therefore you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, he goes on now to encourage us in the present. So live in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, 
just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So live in him or continue to live in him. And I'm told that the words in Greek imply walk about in him. Walk about in the sphere or circle of Jesus. Live your whole life in him. Share everything with him. It's as if a circle is now around our life and we are free to walk anywhere within it and enjoy that, but to be careful not to go outside of it or to bring into it any beliefs or behaviours that don't mix with having received Christ Jesus the Lord. Paul goes on to say that there's plenty of room to grow and develop in Christ. Keep your roots deep in him or let your roots grow down into him. Now, roots in a plant draw nourishment and stability, and so we are to keep drawing our spiritual nourishment and stability from Jesus Christ. Changing the metaphor, Paul says, be built up in him, or let your lives be built on him. If you like, go up, grow up. So friends, we need not be shallow or small Christians, but we can become deep and big ones. Also says Paul, I want you to grow strong, established in the faith, or become stronger in your faith. And integral to this will be our growing in our understanding of the teaching of Jesus and his apostles as we find it in the New Testament. And so having received Christ Jesus the Lord, got into the circle, so to speak, then to grow down and to grow up until we've got the very full life of Christ within us. As therefore you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so live in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So be filled with thanksgiving. Let's be grateful we are in Christ that we can grow and that we have got everything that belongs in him to a full life. Paul then goes on to give a warning to us. You know, when you're driving along, you might see a sign alerting you to possible danger ahead. Well, here Paul is alerting us and he says this, see to it that no one makes a prey of you by Philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe and not according to Christ. In other words, don't let anyone capture you or seduce you outside of the circle of Christ with words of human wisdom and clever logic and reason. If someone comes along and says, Christ plus be wary, be alert. Friends, we have everything we need in Jesus Christ for fullness of life. So let's be careful that we don't think we need to add to Christ or go beyond Jesus Christ the Lord. Let's listen again to Paul. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have come to fullness of life in him 
who is the head of all rule and authority. And this statement says three great truths about Jesus Christ, his divinity, his humanity, and his authority. These are what makes for a full life for us in Christ. What more could you want that you haven't already got in Christ? His divinity. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, or for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Paul isn't just saying, if you look at Jesus, you'll see some divine qualities. Rather, he's saying the very essence, nature, being of God himself, the whole of God is within a man. So we don't need to add to Christ from other religions or philosophies or worldviews for our knowledge of God. We don't have to pull all religions to get a richer, fuller picture and experience of God. No, because in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And as Paul says at the beginning of our passage, in Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures. Could we ask for anything more? And then there is his humanity. He is still human. Uh, he didn't become a man for only 33 years. He still is. God took our flesh, our humanity, but he hasn't put it off. You have got everything of humanity you want in Christ. And the third great truth you've got in Jesus Christ is his authority. Christ is the supreme authority over all spiritual rulers and all authority. After he'd been raised from the dead, he told his disciples, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, in teaching all these things to the church at Coloss, Paul was wanting to reinforce their belief in the sufficiency and in the preeminence of Jesus Christ so that they wouldn't be hoodwinked into thinking that, well, we need to add to Jesus Christ or supplement him in some way if we are to have a full Christian life so that they wouldn't be tricked into placing him alongside other beings as if he was not enough or not unique. And Paul's teaching in this letter can do that for ourselves as well. Reinforce our belief in Jesus Christ, the Lord, and help us to discern any teaching that may claim to be Christian, but which has been influenced more than it knows by the spirit of the age. So let's hear once more these words. For in Christ the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have come to fullness of life in him. Brothers and sisters, what more could we need or want that we haven't already got in Christ Jesus the Lord? So then, let's continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him. Let's pray.
Lord God, whose blessed Son died for our sins and then was raised in triumph and set us free, grant us the fullness of life he promised us, that through the Holy Spirit our hearts may possess him whom our eyes cannot see, the same Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, how we thank you for the unbelievable way you reconciled us to yourself by Jesus' obedient mission to suffer and die as the one complete sacrifice for our rebellion and sin. There was and is no other way for us to be brought from darkness into the light, from living in error to living in the truth. Words cannot express the gratitude we have in our hearts. We are no longer sinking in the sand, but we are building on the rock, which is Jesus. Some of us here have been building on the shore foundation since childhood, others from a later age as adults. Thank you for welcoming us at any age. Please help us not to seek satisfaction in any ideas or beliefs which are marketed in our society as alternatives. Once we've found the pearl of great price, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, please help us to seek to know and obey him more each day, allowing his spirit to transform us from the inside. We pray especially today for those baptised in our church this year, Andrew, Cassia, Genevieve, Bianca, and Kirsty Ella's mother, also for baby Holly Spriggs, dedicated a couple of weeks ago, and for anyone here today who has recently turned to Jesus for forgiveness. We all need your help, Lord, to go on growing in our knowledge of you through reading your words, to obey what we learn, growing in grace and truth as individuals and as a church. Thank you for our Sunday gatherings. Before we come, we know that we will be faithfully taught about you. Thank you for the inspiring songs which give you the glory. We thank you for the music teams who lead us in praising you. Please encourage them as they rehearse, play and sing. As a church, we ask you to make us people of prayer, dependent on you, to seek, know and follow your will. We need your wisdom, grace and love to function as your body where your spirit lives. Help us to love, encourage and serve one another. With growth in mind, we pray for the Trinity Network as new gatherings are started, for the Tonsley Church being planted later this year, and for planning of the future Goolwa Church. 
please enable Paul Harrington and the Trinity Network leadership team to find suitable pastors for the churches. May your spirit lead them always. We pray for the students at the Bible College of South Australia, for those going to some short courses being run in the mid-semester break, and for some new students who have enrolled for the second semester. We pray for you to help the college principal, Tim Patrick, and also that the college will be supported financially to continue this important work. We bring before you, dear Lord, any in our church family who are unwell, those awaiting surgery, and any who are grieving the loss of loved ones. As Duncan reminded us last Sunday, we can trust you, Lord Jesus, in every circumstance that we face. Your authority and your goodness to deal with our sin, our doubts, our fears, our hopes and dreams, our pain and sorrow, our sickness, and even our death in your perfect time. Thank you for giving us life joy and peace. In Jesus' worthy name we pray. Amen.